I can't feel my fingers anymore. I lied. They're, they're, they're numb. Maybe you should wear these extra gloves. My hands are starting to get sweaty. Backhand towards the goal, loose puck, everybody scores! Tie game! Can you believe it? Defended by Simmons, is this the dagger? Yo, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back for another episode of Frostbite Sports, brought to you by Blue Collar Media Group. I'm Harrison Brooks, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jeff Folk. What's up, Jeff? Oh, I'm just hanging out. I'm getting ready for the big game this Sunday, buddy. I'm excited. I'm excited. We got another uh, member of Blue Collar Media Group uh, joining us today. He's actually the newest member of Blue Collar Media Group. Uh, so welcome in, Jacob Carr. Uh, why don't you tell the folks a little bit about yourself, Jacob? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so a little about me. Uh, I'm no stranger to pain, as I'm a Senators and Eagles fan, uh, which often involves a fair amount of yelling at my TV. Uh, but as any diehard knows, you got to stay loyal to your teams. So I'm also a Houston Rockets fan, and uh, I do like what I've seen from the team since they shipped off Harden to Brooklyn. Uh, so I'm cautiously optimistic there. Um, but yeah, I'm excited and honored to be joining the BCMG team and I look forward to writing and podcasting about all sorts of sports. Football's definitely my, uh, kind of number one and obsession. If I had to pick a favorite NFL Sunday is like a holiday for me and I'm really looking forward to the Super Bowl, as, as Jet referred to, but yeah, just looking forward to sharing my sports knowledge and love for writing. So, yep. Like, yeah, man, we're glad to have you and can't wait to read some of your stuff. But uh, jumping into the show today, we're going to continue on with uh, the trend we started last week and uh, bring a couple of spicy, spicy takes your way. So uh, without further ado, uh, might as well start it off with our first take, which is this Super Bowl will be the most pressure Patrick Mahomes has in any Super Bowl that he makes it to, which will be a lot. We know he's going to make it to a lot of Super Bowls. This one will be the most pressure he'll ever have on him. And I'll tell you why. I mean, I, it's hard to imagine that he doesn't hear what's being said. You know, he knows who he is. He hears what people are saying about him. And he knows that the groundwork is laid for him to potentially pass Tom Brady as the GOAT. But he needs to win this game to do it against Tom Brady. A loss likely closes that door forever. He'll never make it there. It always, It'll always be, you know, just... Some people talking about, oh, well, you know, he's so much more talented, you know, but he doesn't have the accolades to, to beat Tom Brady. So he needs this one right now to pass Brady eventually. And it's uh, so this is the most pressure he's ever going to have on him. And which is also crazy to me because, like, have we ever seen this before where a guy's so young, he's 25 years old, this is his third, third year as a starter, and we're already talking. And, like, this isn't just like fans, like, you know, spouting off on Twitter. There's like media, analysts, fans, everybody is talking about, yeah, this guy might be the greatest we've ever seen. And he's three years into his career. I don't think we've ever seen anything like this is insane that we're talking about like do or die 
Sunday for Patrick Mahomes to be the greatest of all time. I just like think about it in terms of like LeBron James, who I personally think is the greatest basketball player of all time. Three years into his career. Yeah. People are talking about, yeah, he's a great basketball player. Nobody even considered him to be anywhere near the top of the list. And we're already considering Patrick Mahomes to be one of the best players in the history of the game. It's absolutely insane to me. And so, I mean, obviously, you know, we can't call him the goat if he wins this game, but this game just opens the door for that possibility. You know, it's either doors, doors half open right now. And if it gets, uh, I feel a loss slams it shut in his face and a, and a wind blasts this thing wide open. So I just want to kind of look at what we might see from him uh, about 10, 15 years down the road. So think about like project his career out about 15 years, taking him to 37 years old, which is about where Aaron Rodgers is at right now, right? Patrick Mahomes so far has averaged 4,700 yards per year, which will put him around 70,000 by that time, which is top four of all time. He averages 38 touchdowns a year, which will put him at 570, which would be, you know, give or take, would be top two or three of all time. Playoffs are harder to predict, but after three years, he's, he's already got over 2,000 yards. I think it's very realistic he passes Peyton's 7,000 yards, which is second on the list. You know, he's probably sitting at 20, around 20 TDs after the Super Bowl tomorrow, three years into his career. So Montana's 45 is well in play. You know, Tom Brady's sitting at the top of the list with 80, which is also insane. But, you know, that, that's steep, but not impossible for him to catch up to. So, I mean, think about it 15 years from now. Say he has four or five rings. He has 70,000 plus yards. He has 570 plus TDs all top two to five. And then he's got eight to 10,000 playoff yards around 60 TDs in the playoffs, both second place to Brady. And then you account for the talent gap or the talent level gap. Cause you know, it's pretty clear that even at Tom Brady's peak, he wasn't as talented as Patrick Mahomes is or Aaron Rodgers. You know, he, he was never that kind of player, you know, the uber talented, like, you know, put the, I mean, he could put the team on his back, but he wasn't the, uh, you know, making the passes that these guys are making. So I'm just saying it all, it all starts on Sunday. A win makes this all possible. And I mean, he's already shown that he shows up in the big games. He's a guy who steps up when it matters the most. And, you know, if he, uh, he wins this one, say he gets the Super Bowl MVP, that's already more Super Bowl MVPs than Tom Brady had in his first three years as a starter. Well, he's, he's got way more passing yards than Brady ever did at that time. And, yeah, I, I don't even know what else to say. It's like I, I'm expecting a win for sure. They're my boys, so I'm expecting a win, of course. And I'm just flabbergasted that we're even having this conversation right now about a 25-year-old with a chance to open the door for being the GOAT. And a little side note to, to this one, I just this has nothing to do with the argument I was just making, but I think it's a little crazy. Chiefs fans st- sat their starters in week 16 because they already had it locked up first place. But what's crazy about that is Travis Kelsey had a chance to do something that no tight end has ever done, which is finished as the number one pass catcher in the entire NFL. They didn't care. They sat him. Patrick Mahomes had a chance to do something only Drew Brees has done, which is have multiple 5,000-yard seasons and multiple 40-plus touchdown seasons. But they said, fuck it, man. It's all that matters is the Super Bowl and – you know, I'm, I'm sure he'll hit those numbers again, but it's just, it's just interesting to see that that's where their mindset is. So hopefully they can uh, 
finish it off the right way. But anyways, what do you guys think about uh, Patrick Mahomes having the most pressure he'll ever have? Oh, I think that's spot on, honestly, because uh, like you said, that door gets slammed right in his face if Tom Brady hits seven. How are you going to go the rest of your career and win, you know, seven more and have your eight? Yeah, that's, it's really not that likely. And I think, so obviously it starts with that Super Bowl victory, but from there, I think that there's a couple reasons why this conversation gets a lot more serious. And it starts right from the top and goes all the way down the organization. Andy Reid, he's currently 62 years old, one of the most noteworthy coaches in the NFL, potentially in all time. And if you look back at the history of all-time coaches, the greatest ones tended to coach towards 70, some even past it. So it's very believable that Andy Reid could get to that 70-year-old mark, giving him eight years of Patrick Mahomes. Past that, the Chiefs have a winning culture. Only nine other franchises in the NFL have three Super Bowl victories or more. That's uh, where they would be sitting at after Sunday if they're able to win this game. The other part of their group is the management. Brett Veach was brought in four years ago and is the current general GM, or pardon me, the general manager for the, uh, for the Chiefs. And just last season, he became the youngest uh, GM in NFL history to win a Super Bowl. Through the draft, he's been able to bring in players like Patrick Mahomes, Kareem Hunt, McCole Hardman, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and Juan Thornhill. Uh, he's also had a good eye for trades. He made the trade for Frank, Frank Clark, Charvarius Ward, and Harrison Butker. Notable uh, with the Butker deal was that he was a rookie at the time, and you don't generally see, pe- see people trading for uh, rookie kickers, but he saw something in him and jumped on it. Must have, must have been the name. Yeah, had to be, had to be. Veach has also managed to sneakily sign like team needs at the moment that they need them. He uh, snagged up Damian Williams uh, just a couple years ago. And Damian Williams, in my opinion, should have won Super Bowl MVP uh, just last season. And that was under a $3 million cap hit in a league where these caps get quite high. Uh, Rashad Breeland was also signed uh, just last year, bringing an extra wrinkle to their secondary as well. So they're very good at assessing team needs and dealing with those in whatever way they need to. Um, another thing that I like is that he's got this incredible contract that on face value looks like it's holy cow, that's a lot of money. But when you take into account that it's spread out over 10 years, things really change. Um, outside of the 2027 season where we're going to see Mahomes make almost $60 million against the cap, uh, the 2030 season, we're going to see him making $50.4 million against the cap. And 2031, we, we'd see him at $52.45 million. All the other years of this contract will not top $45 million. And that's going to give the Chiefs some room to, to maneuver. Uh, compound the fact that the salary cap's projected to rise over time, assuming COVID gets dealt with. Um, I think that goes without saying. The, the world we, in, we live in right now is a little bit crazy, but... If that gets dealt with, it's just going to rise and rise. And uh, if you also follow along with the common trend of kind of the next quarterback up making the most money, in 10 years, you're going to see a lot of quarterback contracts come up that are going to make more money than Mahomes. Um, so by the end of this thing, like we, be, we might be looking at year five of this deal and going, wow, what a steal of a contract. So that's another thing I liked. The last thing that I really think is going for him in the sense of uh, Mahomes potentially pushing for this GOAT status is they're in a questionable division. 
Uh, I think that without question, the LA Chargers are on the rise. They look very good. This is a team that was in most of their games this season, and Justin Herbert looked incredible. Um, they're going to get Derwin James back, which is going to be instrumental for their defense. Uh, but it's still kind of a wait and see. Uh, can they build up the rest of the team around them? Past that, you've got the the Denver Broncos, who are kind of in the opposite situation. They're looking for their quarterback. They're not sure what's going on with Drew Locke, if he's the guy, if they need to. There's rumors of Deshaun Watson going there, things of that nature. So they're in a tough spot. And, of course, you can't talk about this division without talking about the Las Vegas Raiders. And I don't know what they're doing. This has been a 500 club ever since they got John Gruden. They've made questionable trades. They've made questionable draft picks. And I just don't see a direction for them. So I think all these factors combining, you got a recipe right in front of you for Mahomes to really look like a potential goat down the road. Yeah, uh, we'll see how, how everything plays out. But, man, I just – it pisses me off so much the uh... – well, you mentioned the next quarterback up making the most like the quarterback contracts piss me off so much. It's like Dak Prescott, you do not deserve 40 plus million dollars a year. I'm sorry. I don't give a fuck what your stats say. They actually show that you're not as good as, uh, as the stats, like as people think it shows, but it's like, ah, you like, you don't deserve $40 million a year. Be Russell Wilson first and then get Russell Wilson's contract. Be better than him. And then you can get better contract. You can't just go for the better contract when there's nothing in your play that shows that you're anywhere near that level i don't understand it there should be like a cap you know i mean the qbs they know what they're doing they all they all are in on it they do it on purpose because they know they can just stack each other up constantly absolutely ridiculous it's like you see it in the nhl all the time where like guys sign a contract and then it's like oh okay well this comparable but slightly worse player he's not going to get more he's going to get probably the same amount or slightly less because it's pretty clear that you know this player's here this player's here so the contract should be the same and then with quarterbacks it's just like well okay we got you know Mahomes up here and then we got Russell Wilson here and then we got Dak Prescott down here but he wants a contract up here it's like what the fuck is going on I don't understand it but whatever there's my rant about quarterback uh, contracts Jacob uh, what are your thoughts on the pressure that will be on Mahomes in this game and then you can segue into I know you got some uh, some thoughts on on why Kelsey will win the Super Bowl MVP. So, so why don't you give us both of those? Sure. In terms of Patrick Mahomes, boy, having pressure on him this game, I think uh, you make a fair point with uh, the fact that this might be the most pressure he faces in his in a Super Bowl in his career, at least. Um, just uh, facing someone with the aura of Tom Brady, uh, the fact that he might and probably will never play him again in a Super Bowl. The odds are unless maybe we get a rematch next year. Who knows? But, yeah, if he loses, Brady's got seven. He's still got one. So it makes that gap a lot less uh, attainable, in my opinion. And if, if he wins, then it's two to six. Um, and then who, who knows how much more Brady uh, has in him, maybe two, three years max. So I, I personally think the Chiefs are kind of ironically like the new Patriots of the AFC. Uh, you've got the Bills coming up, obviously, but they're not quite there yet with Allen taking a leap this year and Diggs. I think they need like a, another weapon or two to really compete with the Chiefs. You've got like the Ravens, but Lamar seems to come up short in the playoffs every year. So the Chiefs are kind of cemented right now as, as the top dogs in the AFC until someone knocks them off their perch. And uh, I could see them making a run 
in the next 10, 15 years, like the Patriots did before Tom left. So yeah, he's, he's well positioned. Like uh, I think the chiefs did it the right way. They've got great coaching. I have nothing but respect for Andy Reid being an Eagles fan. I mean, he could never get it, get it done here, but we made like three NFC championships and lost to Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. but we got our revenge three years ago. So I'm all good with that. But uh, yeah. So segueing into my MVP pick with Kelsey, I mean, smart money's probably on the homes or Brady. Um, the odds on favorites are to win MVP in a Super Bowl or the quarterbacks. Usually it's a quarterback driven league, but I just have a sneaking suspicion that Kelsey's going to have a monster game in this one. Similar to how he dismantled the Bills in uh, the AFC Championship game uh, to the tune of 13 receptions for 118 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, um, you, Bills. <laughs> I think <laughs> when the Bucks defensive room watches the film from um, when they played in the regular season, these two teams, they're going to see how Tyreek Hill absolutely roasted them for over 200 yards in a quarter. So... I think they're going to focus the lion's share of their attention on doubling him throughout the game and, and taking him away. Um, and you can't double both of them. So I think that's really going to open up the middle of the field for Kelsey to feast. Uh, I mean, the guy's a matchup nightmare. He's the best tight end in the league. It's not really arguable at this point. Bucks have Levante David and Devin White at, at the linebacker position. Great players, lots of speed. Uh, they're smaller, though, so I think he has a size advantage over them. Same thing if they probably try to put like a safety on him like Whitehead if he plays, or uh, yeah. Winfield Jr. They're just not big Can't enough and fast enough. No. And that's if they're playing man. I, I think they're going to sprinkle in man and zone. They, they'd be smart too. But if they go zone, though, uh, Kelsey's one of the best in the league at, at finding the soft spots, and Mahomes will tear them up that way. So uh, I'm predicting Kelsey to have 11 catches for a buck 55 and two touchdowns in this game. And I'm also going to say his second touchdown is going to seal the game for the Chiefs. I think Fair it's going enough. to be a tight game. So You know, and yeah. what's super interesting about the idea of Kelsey potentially winning the Super Bowl MVP is you look across to the other side, there's Rob Gronkowski, who's heralded as potentially the greatest tight end of all time. They're the same age. Kelsey yeah, will have one less Super Bowl victory, and he'll have a Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> I, just, I, just noticed, I just found that out like this week that I didn't know they were the same age. That's insane. Like just the longevity of Travis Kelsey. It's, it's and he's getting better. This is the best he's ever played in his entire career. And he's. At it's a got point me wondering if Rob Gronkowski is on his way. That's just how out. good. The, sorry to cut you off. I was just gonna say it just makes me wonder if that's just how good the Chiefs are that they have this incredible tight end that you know you you don't really think of in that go conversation because they're so busy working with everybody else. Yeah, no doubt. My only my only crazy. Uh, my only dispute here is um, I, I actually, I, I love your point about, yeah, they, they're going to really focus in on Tyreek because he absolutely dismantled them, embarrassed them in one quarter of that, the last time they played. But is uh, your prediction 11 catches for 155 yards and two touchdowns? Is that enough to take the MVP away from Mahomes, who will probably end up having two or three touchdown passes and, you know, over 300 yards passing? I just don't know if that's enough. You know, I could see, I could realistically see Kelsey ending up with, you know, 15, 16 catches for 180 yards and a score or two, which would definitely, in my opinion, put him in the conversation for that MVP. But I just don't, I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but like, I just don't see 155 yards and two touchdowns being enough for him to get the, an MVP, which I mean is, 
I think Again, in a ridiculous thing in to this say particular because that's one of the case, best games you can imagine. I think you have to look at context of the catches, though. I think yeah. you have to look at the plays themselves. If yeah. if these are yeah. like massive plays where he's really embarrassing somebody or something of that nature, that's probably how he sneaks his way in. And it, yeah. and if like Jacob said, if one of them seals the game, uh, yeah, I could see that being it too. Uh, on your same on your point though, too, uh, I've actually I I threw a little bit of a prop bet on Sammy Watkins to have a decent game over 36 yards for almost the exact same reason, man. He's going to, if he plays, he's still uh, limited in practice, but if he comes in, I think that's another guy. He's not going to, you know, go scorched earth or anything, but I could see him being a very important uh, secondary option for, for them. And for the exact same reason that they'll be focused on trying to keep Kelsey and Hill intact and, uh, and Sammy Watkins will kind of fly under the radar and get a couple catches. Yeah, just to, before we move on, just to back up my pick, I'm, and I could be wrong, I've been wrong many times, but like the pick is kind of based on, obviously that's a great stat line, and but if, yeah, Mahomes has like two other touchdowns or he runs one in, they're going to give it to him hands down. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking Edwards Hilaire, Williams, Bell, whoever's in the backfield near the goal line might vulture a few of Mahomes' touchdowns. And that's why I think Kelsey's touchdowns will mean more. Plus, I think the, the second one's going to seal the game for them. So that's that's my thinking. Fair enough. Either either way, I'm just fucking excited to see it happen. But anyways, before we, move, before we dive into the rest of our hot takes, I just want to take a minute to tell you about one of Blue Collar Media Group's sponsors, livingmybestcigarlife.com. They have over 1,500 premium cigars, various sized humidors, and gift sets, as well as name brand accessories and monthly specials. Check out their Facebook at Living My Best Cigar Life and their Twitter at My Best Cigar Life for more info. And when you make your first order, make sure to use My Best Cigar Life in all caps for $10 discount. Don't just live your best life, live your best cigar life. And for any ladies out there listening, we didn't forget about you, and neither did LoveyCo.com. They've got all the latest fashions and tips at great prices. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, head over to loveyco.com and put in the promo code BCMG for 10% off your first order. All right. I'm going to keep the train going here with another football hot take. And I'm kind of bulldozing the conversations here with starting with my own two hot takes, but uh, it's just the way it worked out. So this one, you know what NFL is on the brain. Yeah, I can't think of anything else right now. So this one's more uh, looking into the offseason a little bit, but I believe that the 49ers need to sell whatever they can, sell the farm for Deshaun Watson. And I'm not talking like, oh, it would be great to have Deshaun. They fucking need to. They're in a the toughest division in football, and the Rams just got better. This is the only team that could have even – this is the only team in their division that was even in their tier defensively. And now they just got a huge upgrade on offense. Plus you have to face Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. Who's getting better every year, twice a year. As of right now, I look at 49ers as probably top, I guess, second, second best defense in that division, fourth best offense in that division. They're just, you know, Garoppolo's just not the guy and neither is Kirk cousins, the guy who I've seen them, you know, in the rumor for, Essentially, right Carson now, Wentz. <laughs> yeah, Carson Wentz. Yeah, I don't think he's that <laughs> yeah, guy either. They can he's he's going to end up in Indianapolis. Oh, God, I know. <laughs> but, I mean, from what I see right now, the only guy left 
out of all the quarterbacks that are, you know, rumored to be on the move or free agents or in the trade mill, the only guy that can vault them back into contender status right now, based on the division they're in is Deshaun Watson. And if they do, if they do this, that's, you're basically making a mirror image of the Kansas city chiefs. You got an amazing coach. You got probably the second best quarterback in the league at worst, the fourth best quarterback in the league after Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. Those are the top four with Patrick Mahomes, in my opinion, you got a great defense. You know, this is, this is, uh, this is the move. This is the move right here. You need to go for Deshaun Watson and you'll basically turn yourselves into the NFC version of the chiefs where it'll be, it'll, it'll essentially be like the 2015 to 18 NBA where it was just LeBron versus the Warriors every year. And we all knew it was going to happen. That's what it'll be. It'll just be the chiefs versus 49ers every year. And even as a chief fan, I know it can get a little stale, but as a Chiefs fan, as much as I want to see Casey just dominate and Patrick Mahomes become the GOAT and everything like that, I think I would rather see them, you know, go head-to-head with a true equal, you know, every year or every other year. I'd, I'd, I'd rather see them face off against a team like the 49ers with Deshaun Watson at the helm than just them roll through the playoffs and – you know, maybe win a Super Bowl, maybe not win a Super Bowl, but like it doesn't matter because it's like they're going to be there next year and they're probably going to win next year. So it's, you know, I'd I'd rather see that like the true rival from the NFC who can battle with them. Yeah, and so I mean, the what I've seen is the Texans are looking for two firsts, two seconds, and two defensive starters. You know, I think maybe getting a replacement QB, maybe Garoppolo is enough of a incentive for them to drop one of the defensive starters. Maybe not. I don't know. But, you know, he's a decent starter. There's no denying that. He's a good, good guy to have for a rebuilding team, I think, too. So he might be in, the, in play. But basically, outside of Nick Bosa, if I can send anybody on that defense. Like, I mean, they have a great defense, but Nick Bosa's the guy you can't send. Send anybody else. You know, 12th overall pick this year, second this year, first next year, second that year or the year after. You know, that's... I, I don't see any problem with that. You're, you're selling a lot, but I mean, your team is ready to compete. They're in the Super Bowl last year. They got plagued by injuries this year. You know, you're ready to compete and just, you got to do what, what you got to do right now to, to make that happen. I can see a team like Miami maybe getting the better of them uh, with, you know, being able to give up to a plus third overall or something like that. But if that's the case, yeah, throw in another first. Throw in three firsts, two seconds, and, you know, Garoppolo and a defensive starter. You know, do, basically do whatever it takes. Because, I mean, what do we got? We got Jameis Winston. We got Fitzpatrick. We got Dak Prescott. We got Andy Dalton, Trubisky, Brissett. I don't even know if any of those guys are an upgrade on Jimmy Garoppolo, let alone a guy that can, you know, take you to that next level. So I just think you need to be willing to react to what went on around you. You need to see that the Rams got a guy who could make the Rams a legitimate contender year in, year out. And you need to be able to do the same thing and go for a guy that's going to put you in a, you know, put you one step ahead of the Rams. And, and so that's why I think that the 49ers have to get to Sean Watson. If they don't, they're fucking themselves for the rest of the rest of the decade, really. No, I mean, I, I see your point. Um, out of that group, that you named there with the Fitzpatrickses and the Wentzes and the, you know, Daltons. I don't know if uh, I'm ready to say Dak isn't good enough to be maybe that, but um, you know, coming off a major injury, that's tough. But I just think what, what is the point of 
of keeping draft assets when you're going to be going deep into playoffs, when you can, when you have the opportunity to. I feel like of all of the major sports leagues in North America, football is the one where, you know, you really see guys, guys hoard draft picks. And I mean, I get it. You know, you're trying to build organically, but this is potentially a once every 25 to 50 year opportunity to get a guy like Deshaun Watson. Yeah. At some point you almost just got to say, why not? Let's give it a go. I mean, even think about it like Trevor Lawrence to go into Jacksonville. Um, this is the best defense or a QB prospect maybe ever, right? You know, this is a guy who three years ago was being talked about. If he was in the draft, he'd go first overall, but he hasn't even played a college game yet. Like this is one of the best prospects ever. If he ends up being Deshaun Watson, like if he, if that's his ceiling, nobody is mad about that at all. Like that's a, that's a great thing for Trevor Lawrence to become Deshaun Watson. So it's like, even even teams that like have a guy like that, it's like there you have to like this is one of the best QBs in the league, and he's gonna be for the next ten years. You know, if you're a team that's in, you know, ready to ready to go for it, fuck, go all in. I mean, there are teams that like should too. Colts are one of them. I think he would make them a Super Bowl contender. The Bears are another one, which I think they have the defense to. You know, if they take to, if they get to Sean Watson, they're they're probably the you know, next best team in the league to the Chiefs, maybe even better. I don't even know. So I'm just like, you know, there's there's nobody else in the league that is going to be as good as Deshaun Watson for as long as Deshaun Watson. And there's a, a few teams that could really use him. Miami's another one. They could really use him. But there's one team that has to get him or else they're irrelevant. And that's the 49ers. No, I definitely, I definitely don't disagree. Um, I think that's probably in my top three, the places that he will go. And yeah, I agree with a lot of your points. Like they are ready to take that next step. Jimmy G's not the guy. I've never been a fan of the guy. He was not the sole reason they lost the Super Bowl, but he was a big reason because he can't throw under pressure and he missed the touchdown to Sanders. So yeah, you, you basically sell, sell the farm to get a guy like this. It's everyone's used this word in the media, but it's an unprecedented situation at this point. It's a top five quarterback, possibly top two, like you said, basically entering his prime. He's 25. Like he, mm-hmm. these guys never come available ever. No, you get a guy like this and you never let him go. I mean, the and Chiefs I just, just signed Mahomes to a 10 year contract. They're never letting that guy go. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And and this guy's proven. And, and like you mentioned the Jags and Trevor Lawrence, like uh, I, know some Jags fans there are actually Jags fans uh, Nathan, <laughs> Nathan comes to mind but he, he's like no like they shouldn't give up their number one pick and Trevor for Deshaun and I'm like what are you talking about man like like you said even if Trevor turns into Deshaun it's a win-win for both franchises and if Trevor ends up being a bit of a bust then you absolutely win that trade Deshaun's established as one of the best quarterbacks in the league, Trevor is a question mark, even though everyone, he will probably be very good. But just a team I'll sneak in there that I think would absolutely go after him is Carolina. Get rid of Teddy, Teddy two gloves. Um, obviously you can't give up CMC, but a few pieces and draft picks, they get to Sean in that offense with Christian McCaffrey. They drafted Jeremy Chin, who was a stud rookie this year. Eagles should have drafted him, but they're stupid. Yeah, you put him on Carolina, same thing. But 
if he's in San Francisco, yeah, they're basically top tier NFC team every year and probably going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of wanted to get into why the Texans need to make this deal actually. And um, I didn't have it in my notes, but I think it is worth talking about the fact that the offer that the Niners can give right now, in my opinion, is greater than any other offer that's on the table. I don't even care if Tua and the third pick are involved or whatever, because depending on what defensive players they're looking for, they're probably going to get two studs from the Niners defense. That can be very big for a growing team that's trying to develop. Yeah, in the picks too, it just keeps going. It's a development thing over there. And I mean, I don't think that the third overall pick and Tua for this is again just an example is enough of a kickstart to that rebuild. I think the the Niners can give them more of that kickstart. The other reason, though, that the Texans need to make this deal here is obviously, like we said, Broncos are in, Panthers are in, Dolphins are in, Jets are in. There's more even past that. If the Texans get complacent and they want to play hardball with Watson. It could be a disaster if the Niners pull their offer because they need to take up their backup plan because it's getting close to the season or what have you. Uh, the Texans could be looking at compensation far less enticing. I mean, it, that's just the reality of the situation. Another thing is when you start creating a war of pettiness between a star player and a team, um, it's going to bring hailstorm right out of the right out of the fan base. Um, he's not only a beloved player on the roster for his play, but he's also a beloved member of the community. His uh, foundation does wonders for housing, for education, healthcare, all of these great things in underserved areas around Houston and throughout Texas. And people take note of stuff like that. So uh, you'd be having your fan base start flipping on you. Then um, the other thought I had was best case scenario. Deshaun stays in place for the Texans again. What good is a disgruntled quarterback going to do on a team that's on a downward spiral and has minimal draft assets that also just dealt with this entire situation with Watson and would have free agents looking at them and going, no way, I, I ain't going there. Yeah, it's a good faith move by the GM to send him to a team where he can be as successful as possible, right? It'll entice yeah. guys to be like, okay, you know what? They've had some shady moves with, you know, sending out DeAndre and and ruining a situation with Deshaun, but at least they made right by him. So I, I see your point there. But Jet, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Rudy Gobert this year? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's tough not to note the top team in the NBA right now, the Utah Jazz, sitting at a seventeen and five record. I've noticed on the offensive side of the ball, Utah shooting nearly forty percent from three which in large part comes from Gobert's presence down low and his ability to find the right picks. Uh, The Jazz are rebounding at uh, fifth overall for the offensive boards and their first in defensive boards. Gobert's blazing that trail. Utah sixth in blocks at uh, 5.9 rebound, 9.6 defensive rebound, and 2.7 block per game pace. Uh, he's shooting 60% from the field. And as everybody knows, he's one of the top three defenders in this league. Uh, that's probably not going to change for uh, a couple of years yet. So I just wanted to give a quick shout out to the Jazz Angle Bear because he's had a rough uh, year in the social media world. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's definitely a player who has had a 
been in the media for some not so great reasons, uh, starting with the COVID stuff and then, uh, then Shaq uh, just deciding to throw him under the bus and talk about how he's not worth his contract. But uh, so it's, it's great to see him uh, having a great season too. So he's one of those guys to me who just, you know, like people talk about, Oh, is he worth a max contract? You know, is it, is he really a guy you should be giving a max contract to? And, you know, I don't think if you put it like league wide, yeah, I don't think maybe he'd get a max contract everywhere. But I think on this Jazz team, for what he brings specifically to this team, I think, yeah, he's a max player for them. And, and I think he's worth worth that contract because, you know, he is elite uh, defensively. And there's a lot of guys in this league that are, you know, really good, but not elite in any one category. And, and Rudy Gobert at least has that elite defensive ability. And the way he's used by the Jazz, you know, I think he's worth definitely worth the contract that they gave him. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. He's invaluable to what that team does, obviously with them holding the number one seed right now after about 20 games in the NBA. He's taken a, a huge leap this year, and um, I definitely think he's worth the, worth the mask, max contract. Sorry. Yeah, just he's he's kind of a unicorn in the league at this point. It's, it's a really – the league's evolved into a 3 and D. Uh, type of league if, if, if you can't shoot threes and uh, play defense you're, you're kind of on the outs but he's one of those like last remaining guys that's a seven footer that can block shots um, his offensive game has obviously improved this year he can rebound obviously so he's absolutely invaluable to what that team wants to do and uh, definitely worth the max money on on that team so Jacob why don't you uh, keep it rolling here you got a you got a little bit of a spicy take about the the Suns that you want to get into? Sure, absolutely. So yeah, when I was having a discussion with some of my friends prior to this NBA season, I made the somewhat, I guess, bold prediction that the Suns would uh, not only make the playoffs, but win their first round series. And uh, after watching them play through 20 games this year, I'm going to take that a, even a step farther and predict that they will be in the uh, Western Conference Finals. Um, so yeah, going back to even last year's playoffs, they were by far the hottest team in the, the Florida bubble there in Orlando. Um, they went undefeated and just barely missed sneaking into the final playoff spot in the West. Um, Devin Booker went crazy during that stretch. And I think he has the potential to be a top five shooting guard in, in the league within the next few years. Uh, he has struggled a bit this year. Um, his stats are down across the board, but he's also been bitten by the injury bug. So I'll give him a bit of a pass. Um, but my main reason that my confidence is sky high in this team would be their off-season acquisition of the point guard, and that's CP3 or Chris Paul. So, yeah, he's a bit long in the tooth at this point in his career. He's 35. But that's exactly what I feel this team needed, uh, an injection of a – scrappy veteran leader that can you know set up the scores on the team uh you've got booker as i mentioned uh um, the gal bridges they they picked up uh jay crowder in free agency that was a big scoop for them um deandre ayton's their center i'll get to him in a bit but uh yeah not only can uh cb3 dish out the assists as he's been doing his whole career he can drop 30 points on any given night uh when he's feeling it so um and yeah, getting back to G DeAndre Ayton, their center, uh, I feel like he's pretty 
crucial to their level of success or where they're going to be this year. He's the only reason I'd have any pause about my, my take. He's averaging about 14 points, 12 rebounds. So he's a given double-double on any night. Like Booker um, at a different position, though, I think he has potential to be one of the premier centers in the league in the next few years. He's super young, uh, 22 years old, so he's, he's still coming into his own. But the uh, problem with him is he can disappear sometimes. Um, I've watched a handful of Suns games this year just because I'm really interested in what they're doing. And uh, he, he kind of disappears or is passive in the offense. So I'd like to see them get him more involved and him get up some more shots because uh, he does have the ability. Um, nonetheless, yeah, I really liked what I've seen from them this far. If the playoffs started today, I looked at the standings, they would have to face the Lakers, uh, which uh, gives me a bit of pause. That's the only team I'd be worried about them facing. Um, I think if they can avoid them, though, I, yeah, I would have them in the Western Conference Finals. Um, and that's against any other team in the West, and that does include the Clippers and the current one seed, as we just alluded to, in the Jazz. So, yeah, I'm high on this team's potential, and I think it's going to get realized this year. And if I can use a, a terrible... Uh, uh, song quote uh from smash mouth uh i might as well be walking on the sun all right i love it uh yeah they're definitely a team that um deserved to be in the playoffs i think last year uh they kind of got shafted there uh so it's it's too bad we didn't get to see would that have that would have been their like these booker and ayton's first playoff appearance right if they would have made it last year yeah yeah so that's too bad that would have been valuable experience especially going into this year when expectations are a lot higher on them i'm uh i'm just curious though like how where do we think the the suns will need to finish to avoid playing the lakers in the first two rounds or like or any of the teams that you think that they not they don't have a very good chance against where what do we think in there i mean the way i look at it i still think the lakers are probably going to finish first in the west with uh the jazz are going to cool off at some point maybe not to an extreme of dropping into the bottom four but um enough to let the Lakers sneak into first at that point. I think the Suns need to be able to jump the Blazers. They need to be able to jump the Nuggets and I mean, then battle it out for the Clippers for two, three in that area. Um, If you go below that, you're probably seeing the Lakers in the second round, assuming you can win your first round matchup, which they should probably. Yeah, that's that's generally what it looks like. What gets tricky is if the Lakers move down, then suddenly it's like, well, now where do we got to go to get, get rid of these guys? But, um, yeah, I'd say probably third. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough, especially if they have to face the Lakers in the first round. Um, they just – I don't think the Suns are at the Lakers level yet, as are many teams in the West I don't think are. Um but yeah, if they if they ended up say four or five, and then the Lakers end up one, uh, even if they win their first round series, they would have to face them in the second round. I think even if uh, I don't think they're going to stay at six, uh, Phoenix as they are right now. But if they stayed there and the Lakers moved up to one, they would potentially avoid them um, until the Western Conference Finals. And with COVID. I don't know if if by the time playoffs roll around, more fans are going to be allowed into the stands. Who knows? different cities, I guess, different um, rules. But home court advantage isn't as big as it was in a, in a regular year, I don't think. So even if they, say, got like a, a five or a six seed, they could probably still run the table. 
Yeah, and there's always the concept, too, of what if a team like the Warriors or uh, even the Rockets, who have been looking really good, um, got into like a 7-8 spot and knocked off somebody that's that's a big dog, like a Clippers or a Jazz or something like that. Uh, that would then also set the table for the Suns to be able to avoid them in the second yeah, round. True. Yeah, I guess the way it's looking right now, I mean, it's going to be a dog fight in the West no matter what, but... Yeah, it looks like the Suns might need uh, might need some help from uh, someone below them to uh, avoid uh, getting the Lakers too early. But, you know, either way, I think this team is going to be – they're on the up and up, and they're going to be, you know, rising each of the next few years, especially like you mentioned DeAndre Ayton's only, like, what, 22, 23 or something like that. When he, uh, when he gets a little bit more confidence, he's going to be a force, I think, in this league. A bit, sorry, a bit of a sidetrack question I, I meant to ask, but, like – if you were the Suns, would you do Beal for Booker straight up? No. No? No, not me. Uh, I just think, like, Beal's in his prime. Booker's getting towards his prime, and he's – I mean, like, he's having a rough year, but we know what Booker's ceiling currently is, and it's probably better than Beal. So if he's going to get better on top of that, you, you can't move him. Yeah, it's uh... – it's one of those things, I mean, if, you're, if your success hinges on Chris Paul and you think that your window is any time, like the time that you have with Chris Paul, then I could see it being a possibility because it's like, yeah, right now Bradley Beal's playing out of his mind. He would make them a contender this year. But if your focus is on Booker and Aiton as your future for contention status, then, yeah, it doesn't really make sense to trade Booker for an older Bradley Beal. I think bringing in CP3 was just as much an experiment as it was trying to make the team good right now. I think they're trying to see if Bradley Beal next to a solid running mate in the guard spot was, uh, was going to be a recipe that works. And I think it's slowly developing into something that they're realizing this is how we could build our team. So when CP3 moves on, they might just focus draft and in towards point guard. But uh, anyways, before we close out the show and talk some puck, we want to take a quick moment to talk about a new sponsor, Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a daily sports app that's doing things a little bit differently. They took out the hours of research needed to find those hidden gems that no one else knows about because they keep it to the top tier players. It's best on best. You spend your cap, you build your roster, and you win money. And if you download the app now, deposit some money, minimum of $20, and put in the promo code BCMG, you'll receive a bonus $20. So what are you waiting for? Download the app, put in the promo code BCMG, and start winning money today. Free money, folks. Free money. Anyways, to kick off some hockey talk, uh, Jet, why don't we start off with you and uh, your your spicy take on the Montreal Canadiens this year? Yeah, absolutely. Been looking forward to this one. Uh, so thus far, the Canadiens have dominated the Oilers and Canucks. They split with the Flames. And they lost the Senators last night. The Oilers have three, debatably four, real guys worth writing home to mom about. And the rest, pretty suspect. Uh, The Canucks are showing uh, what appears to be their true colors. Last season was a bit of an overachieve. And they're coming back down to earth, the true rebuild that they're supposed to be on. Canucks fans are freaking out. They shouldn't be. This is the pace they're supposed to be at. Montreal, even under these circumstances, has managed to land at 22nd in goals against. Uh, in the face-off draws, they're 25th in the league. 
which obviously isn't a good sign if you're ever going into a game against a real contender. And Montreal is second in the league in penalty minutes. Uh, <laughs> I got a lot of joy last night out of watching the Ottawa Senators beat them because the Montreal, to me, is just showing all these signs of, yeah, they had a hot start, but who are they playing? Yeah, I feel you. And uh, you brought up you brought up this topic before our show last week, and I was – I have to admit, at the time, I was kind of like, eh, man, I don't know if I can get behind that because they do look pretty good. I mean, they really trounced the Flames in the, in the one game, which was pretty embarrassing. But uh, I didn't realize that, yeah, all their games have been against the Oilers and Canucks. Like, uh, so, yeah, I'm kind of on board with you now. Like, I don't, I don't think they're going to – they're definitely not going to finish at the top of the Canadian division. But I, I still think they're a decent team. You know, they're – they're solid defensively. I like their goaltending this year, and and their forwards. They got depth. They don't really have that top top talent. But yeah, when when all you can do is beat the Oilers and Canucks, uh, it's not exactly a recipe for a Stanley Cup contender. Because I think, I mean, the Canucks are yeah. They took a huge step back. I'm assuming Montreal will beat the Senators the rest most of the rest of their time but uh you know everyone's going to get a couple wins here and there and you know the oilers i think have the worst depth in the entire canadian division like i i think this is how i'd put it if you take the top 2 players off of every team in canada oilers are hands down the worst team in the country like worse than ottawa i that's how i feel you take take the two best players from every team and the oilers are just a pile of crap basically they got nothing 100%. going on to them. so yeah i mean the uh, canadians are a little bit of a farce right now and people are going nuts about it and it's pretty funny to see especially uh canadians fans already planning the uh, stanley cup parade it's going to be a rude awakening when they finish fucking fourth in the division yeah i 100 percent will back this take anyone who knows me at all knows i'm no fan of the habs um not just because they're kind of a rival to Ottawa. I know Montreal and Toronto are more hated rivals, but yeah, it, you see it in like a game last night. Like I, I didn't watch it admittedly because I thought they'd get trounced Ottawa, but I looked at the final score. My buddy texts me on Facebook. Oh, the senators beat the halves. I'm like, what? It's like, that just goes to prove jets point. Like it, if you're this, this hotshot team that's going to, you know, compete for the Stanley Cup, you beat the basement dweller of the league. You don't lose to them. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, if and when they do make the playoffs because I know the format's a bit different this year, obviously, with the North Division. But, yeah, I look as – not that I want to hate on Canadian teams, but I think that most of the top-tier teams are American teams like Boston, Washington, et cetera, Colorado. So – if and when they do make the playoffs, I think they're in for a bit of a rude awakening, as you guys said. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, I'm just looking at the the box score here. It looks like uh, Matt Murray kind of stole that game. It, they were, Ottawa's outshot like wow. 38 to 22, and uh, he stood on his head, I guess. I guess yeah, stood on his head. Uh, Nine forty. Just didn't have any elite shots on that. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> perimeter perimeter can, bullshit. Yeah, you can get all the chances you want if they're not high quality, then. Let's break this down. So Ottawa beat Montreal. Montreal absolutely dismantled Vancouver like three times. And then Vancouver absolutely dismantled Ottawa three times. So I don't know what's going on here, but on that there you note, go, we're all equal. Yeah. 
on that note, Jacob, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about a, uh, being a Senators fan right now in this, uh, tough time for that franchise. Yeah, you said it. Uh, I mean, the win last night aside, I mean, that's great. We now have five points. Like, whoop de doo Uh, still the worst team in the league. Statistically, probably standings wise, you name it. But, uh, it's just a lot of pain. That's the one word I would use. And, Again, last night's game aside, if if you want a hot take from me, I I think they're one of the worst professional hockey teams ever to lace up the Paris Gates. Um, like they're losing games like seven one, eight five to the Oilers. I think it's just like and DJ Smith, buddy, the coach, like put Stutzel on the ice. He's your top five draft pick. Uh, he's literally a, the only part of this team I was looking forward to watching this year. And he's averaging less than 15 minutes ice time. So had a great game last night. That's awesome. Well, did did he play a lot? I wouldn't even. I would have to look the stats. No, not really. <laughs> yeah, no. They're just easing him in, and it's like, why? What are you? What are you playing all these veterans for? You have five points now in the year, and are in the basement of the league. Good for Murray for standing on his head last night, but on the year, him and Hogberg are have been atrocious both with save percentages below 85 and averaging giving up more than four goals a game. So your, your defensemen are, are pylons pretty much, but Hey, uh, the way the season is going, we'll probably have another top five pick, uh, which means they can maybe go and get a highly touted defenseman in the draft and doing my research on the, the prospects, the top prospects, uh, Right now, at least, Owen Power out of the University of Michigan, and he's a D-man. So, um, and totally off kilter here, but I still think good old Gary Bettman rigged the lotto for the Rangers to get Lafreniere, and we should have him. But I digress. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. Uh, I mean, it would have been uh, would have been pretty exciting for all the pain and suffering Ottawa set fans have had to deal with to uh, have that number one overall pick. But you know, I mean. They kept giving them to Edmonton and Toronto got a couple. So, I mean, it was, it kind of seemed like it was Ottawa's time, but uh, yeah, no, nope. go to the big market, Lafreniere. Yeah, nothing, nothing fishy going on. No, nope. no, but yeah, like I said, this team is currently a train wreck and likely won't be contending for at least three years, maybe four or five. And I've accepted that. So, <laughs> yeah. like, I, I thought watching the Eagles was bad this year, uh, but this team <laughs> takes the cake. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's so, a rough sports like, year for you, man. It's it seems like uh, fifty years ago, but when they made the cup in 07, um against the Anaheim Ducks and promptly lost in five, and then even three years ago, which again I can't believe was twenty seventeen when yeah, so they lost in game seven to the Penguins. And so it's like a completely different team now. Absolutely, yeah. everybody's gone. Yeah, that's uh. I mean, I, I totally understand the, how, the reason for so many Ottawa fans bailing on the team. I know, I know that's not your thing. Uh, you're a diehard, uh, never going to bail on your team. But, I mean, it, it definitely makes sense, uh, you know, after all the shit that Melnick has put them through, uh, for people to kind of jump bandwagons and start cheering for a different team. Uh, can't really blame yeah. anybody for that. I've got a buddy that went from the Sens to being a Knights fan. And then I got another buddy who's, who was a Sens fan that's just waiting for the Kraken to get drafted. <laughs> yeah. Well, honestly, like uh, Nathan Meyer, who obviously 
we went to school with. Um, he's a Sens fan too, one of the only other ones I know. But he's like, not that he's not a Sens fan anymore, but he also he kind of half jumped ship to the Knights. That's like his second team now. So, yeah. And I mean, sometimes in sports, you almost kind of gotta keep an eye on another team. Not necessarily say they're your team or anything, but just so you have something to watch. Because I mean. When you're going after year after year of just nothing from your own guys, you almost lose a little bit of love for the game, right? So uh, I don't really blame guys if they want to keep an eye on other teams. It is what it is. Yeah, either that or play fantasy sports. Yeah. And you yeah. Can keep an eye on everything. Yeah, that's true. Except I'm pretty bad for uh, not checking my fantasy hockey lineups for weeks at a time. So that doesn't really help me at all. Yeah, the, the NBA this year, we, we did a week. We're doing weekly, which we now obviously completely regret. Uh, we should have done daily. Yeah. Uh, it's an absolute shit show. Yeah. I was in a weekly league, and, like, we had a vote on it going into the summer. And I, I was, like, one of, like, three of the 12 guys that voted for daily. And we went into weekly, and I gave it a go for a couple of weeks. But I was just like, I can't do this, man. Like <laughs> half my roster's out, it seems like, and I can't change anybody and it's, it's dumb. <laughs> yeah, it's too bad. Yeah. But uh, hey, uh, to wrap up our show today, we have one last hot take and it has to do with my my own team, Calgary Flames, who I'm, uh, you know, getting pretty frustrated with. You know, I'm I'm almost ready to – fucking uh call it quits on the season because you know they they, this team on paper this team looks great you know they look like they're set up to be top two team in canada and then here we are getting fucking beat by winnipeg over and over again it's like how when winnipeg isn't fucking good they have no defense i mean they got good offense so i mean that makes sense but uh it's frustrating watching this team man they don't they don't show up. They never start games on time. They always have at least one period where they're crap. But anyways, I digress. My uh, my hot take is surrounding the captain of the team, Mark Giordano. I think the Flames need to start reducing his minutes right now. And this offseason, I, I think they need to expose him in the expansion draft. And that's a little bit... Spicy for a guy who won the Norris just two years ago. But what we're seeing right now, the only guys who seem to show up consistently this year have been, well, Goudreau's been playing really good, and Tanev and Hannafin, uh, the second pairing technically. Uh, they've only allowed one, well, before last night. I'm not sure if they were on the ice for any of the goals last night, but they've only allowed one five-on-five goal this year. Um, this is the best best we've ever seen of Hannafin. And, and I think a lot of the credit does go to Tanev because we saw him really help Quinn Hughes in Vancouver too, um, who's an exceptional player, but he's kind of lost a bit of a step this year too. It seems like he's not, not quite as, as dominant as he was last year. And I think, I think a lot of that has to do with Tanev. So now I've kind of shifted focus here for the flames thinking, well, yeah, no, they probably aren't going to, you know, get rid of their captain, expose them in the expansion draft or anything like that. But now it's like, man, we're, we're watching Tanev and Hannafin have such good, great chemistry. I think it's definitely time to, to drop Giordano, Giordano down the lineup because we got a guy, uh, Valimaki, playing on the third pair. He's a rookie this year. 
but he's in the same tier as like he he grades out similarly to Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes and Miro Heiskanen and Adam Fox. Like he's in the same stratosphere as these guys. And we're kind of we're playing him on the third pair, which is fine for a rookie. But when we have a pair like Hannafin and Tanev that are playing so good right now, I think it it gives you an opportunity to bump a guy like Val Mackey up the lineup, give him a, see what he can do in a top four role and move Giordano down, get him off the power play because he's fucking terrible at the power play. Has been for years. Even when he was winning Norris trophies, he was a fucking brutal on the power play. Get Val Mackey out there, put him in all situations. Let's see what we have in this guy because he's going to be our future number one defenseman. Him and Rasmus Anderson are going to be the top pair eventually. So might as well get on with it right now. And yeah, and let's see what we got, especially because, you know, it couldn't hurt. You know, the half the team is playing like they don't give a fuck. The other half is inconsistent at best. So why not? Move Giordano down, send a message to the guys, get Val Mackey playing a lot more, get some youth in there and see, and see if it can spark something because I am sick of watching the Flames already. We're only 10 games into the season. And I'm already sick of watching them. And, you know, we got – if they don't make some noise this year, there's going to be some major changes. There has to be because, you know, this is a do-or-die season for the Flames. And so far, it's been all die. It's been no do. So, you know, I think it's time to get Giordano out, move on to who could be our next captain, which would be probably Kachuk, which a lot of people would definitely hate around the league, seeing a, a C on, on that guy's jersey. But, well, two Cs, I guess. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's, it's just time, time to move on, get some of these older guys, start playing them less, inject some youth and see if that can spark the team because it's, it's been frustrating as hell to watch the flames this year. Yeah. I mean, I think there's just certain things in Gio's game that have stuck out to me. Like the turnover takeaway ratio is not what it once was obviously a significant drop in points but that's going to come anytime you're a Norris trophy winner. And then, you know, decline happens with age. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. And the fact that he's been on the ice for 10 goals in 10 games uh, is troubling considering, you know, you've got other D pairs that, like you said, have only been around for one. So mm-hmm. um, you stack that with the fact that he's still got that $6.7 million cap hit and it becomes a bit of an issue. Um, another thing about, dropping geo down i don't know if you mentioned it or not but like i think he could do a lot for anybody that you want to pair with him like he could really help develop maybe a young guy or at least just put a, a presence of veterancy on on different lines that wouldn't normally have a guy like that and you you touched on valamaki and anderson and i just think if you know who you want your partners to be you should do it as fast as possible. I've always believed that because you got to build the chemistry. Um, whether they're on the top pair or not, which, you know, they probably should be. Yeah, you got to get those guys working together so that they can get used to each other's game. Yeah, for sure. And, like, and, and this is the thing too, like there's a lot of times when it's like, okay, well, I don't think this rookie can handle being on the top pair or this young guy isn't quite ready for that kind of responsibility. We're not talking about a all offensive rookie who's still trying to learn the defensive game. Both Val Mackey and Anderson are are very good defensively. They're very responsible games. Anderson is consistently our best defenseman uh, and has been for the last 
calendar year. Valimaki shows great poise with the puck. You know, he's very confident out there, doesn't make many mistakes. So I don't think there's really any risk to to bumping Valmaki up the lineup. And then, yeah, like you said, Giordano's the perfect guy. You know, he can, for the third pair, he can shelter a guy like Nesterov or if Shillington ever gets in there. That's a great guy. It's, it would almost be like a Giordano-Brody light pair, uh, Giordano and Shillington. So, and then just get him a ton of PK minutes because, you know, he's pretty good on the PK. So he'll, it's not like he'll be dropping out from 20, 20 minutes a night to, you know, eight. You know, he's, he'll be dropping down a few minutes, but, you know, with the PK and everything like that, he should get a decent amount of minutes. So, yeah, I just think, I just think, you know, you have nothing to lose at this point. Get some guys in there, you know, maybe even Jacob Pelche, get, the, get him in the lineup. Maybe call it Matthew Phillips. Like, just do something because we're just doing the same thing over and over again, watching fucking Joachim Nordstrom play on the top line when they need a shakeup. It's like, that. how does that make any sense? How's that going to spark anybody other than just drag down our two best players with our fucking worst player? So do something and fucking let, let's start fading out Giordano because, you know, obviously, I mean, he's a good captain, but obviously the, the room isn't ready – to play any of these games. There's no accountability. It doesn't seem like whether that's the coach or the players, or maybe it's Giordano, like someone's got to say something and have these guys ready to go at the start of a game. And if it's not the captain, I don't know who else it's going to be. So, but anyways, uh, Jacob, what do you think about the flames and Giordano and uh, fading him out of the, out of the system a little bit? Yeah. I'll just add my two cents and I'd, just preface this by saying I'm in no way an expert on the Calgary Flames and their roster makeup, but uh, they just strike me as a team having watched them over the years. And uh, even this year a little bit, they've just been like, they're kind of like this. They're they're just like, they're there. They're even keeled, but they're not, even when they make the playoffs, it's just like, are you scared of them going to the Western conference finals? No, they're kind of like, they're there. They're good, but they need, I agree with you. Like, shake things up. I would say if, if the guy's aging, yeah, and he's not good on the PP, like, expose him in the expansion draft. And like you said, uh, move those two younger defensemen up. I just feel like they're the quintessential team to, like, like change something up. Like, the status quo is not working. Uh, if they're playing uninspired hockey, as you said, like, uh, it's just like I feel like a lot of teams fall into the trap of, uh, we were talking about Stutzel earlier on the sentence. It's like uh, these young guys, they don't want to expose them right away. It's like, well, why did you, you know, these are your guys of the future. Like put them on the ice, like get them playing time, get them comfortable. Uh, yeah. They're going to make mistakes. They're young, but like your old guys aren't, aren't doing the job. So get your young studs in and maybe you'll start winning some games. Yeah, for sure. I said, I think I just have two points left to, uh, to wrap up this this rant here one of them is uh like you said um going to seattle uh, i think if they expose giordano i think that's a guy too that seattle would be very interested in having his contract is only has another year or two after this bring in a guy who's a proven captain in this league who has won a norris trophy who's still playing decent hockey if not you know albeit not great hockey but i think that's if if giordano hits the the exposed list. I think he's being snapped up by, by Seattle, which again, that's just a good thing for the flames. Getting that $6.75 million off the cap that they can put towards something. Hopefully they don't 
blow it on another James Neal type contract. But, uh, you know, that's, that's, uh, that, that just only helps the team moving forward, I think. And then finally, the most frustrating part about all of this with the Flames is we finally have our fucking goalie. We finally have a goalie that can win us the Stanley Cup if we can get there. And where it's looking more and more like we're going to end up having to go for a major shakeup, a major like retool. And there goes two years of, of prime Jacob Markstrom, a guy who is a, an elite goalie in this, in this league, a guy who we haven't had since Mika Kippersoff. And we're going to waste it because we're, because the guys can't show up every game consistently. So pretty frustrating. Uh, so I, I have a little bit of a, a sliver of what it's like to be a Sens fan, I think, right now. But uh, not not quite. I was going to say, it could be worse, man. Yeah, it could be worse still. <laughs> so, But anyways, I, I guess that's our, that's our show for today. So from myself and Jet and everyone at Blue Collar Media Group, thanks for tuning in. And hopefully we'll see you again next week. And Jacob, thanks for joining us. Uh, why don't you tell the people where they can find you on Twitter and stuff? Uh, yeah, Twitter handles just at Jacob Carr um 2280 i believe uh, i i'm not really active on twitter now i will be but uh yeah at jacob Carr 2280 um yeah so you can see some of my future articles on there i'm going to be writing up something on the uh aforementioned phoenix suns and how they think they're kind of the denver nuggets of last year so to speak um with their roster makeup and just bit of a surprise team out of the West that could maybe make the conference finals. So uh, keep an eye out for that on Twitter and at the BCMG group. So yeah, looking forward to doing more podcasting with you guys and doing some writing. So yeah. Awesome, man. Well, yeah. Thanks for, thanks for joining us for this episode and uh, can't wait to read some of your stuff on the website. Yeah.